ever had a stupid question? Well, we are here to answer it. Welcome to This is a Stupid Question, but I'm your host, Mahnoor. And I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where we find all our smart answers to all our stupid science questions. And today we're answering the stupid science question, how relevant are the witch trials today? And joining us for this really cool episode are Claire and Zoe from the Witches of Scotland. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this camp, uh, with the campaign for the Witches of Scotland, they are basically asking the Scottish government to issue a pardon and an apology, as well as erect a monument for the women that were convicted during the witchcraft trials in Scotland. Other than the fact that we are both big fans of their podcast and their campaign and just have a fascination with women's history, when I was listening to their podcast, just as a just as a listener, I could see as already, you do. <laughs> as, it, as you do, I could see the really clear link between the witchcraft trials and also um scientific understanding at the time, because a lot of the reasons that these people, because it was in Scotland, 85% women and 15% males, um, which Claire and Zoe will tell us about in our interview. But these people were accused of witchcraft and a, a lot of them um, executed. And the reasons were things like they had disabilities or someone got an illness. They there were in the cra- wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, there was crazy weather storms and all these things we now understand, like you can get an illness from a virus or a bacteria, but they couldn't see that in the air. Germ theory wasn't a thing. So if you got an illness, the only plausible explanation at that time was the devil had possessed you or uh, someone who was possessed by the devil has caused this um, illness on you. And I just think, although at this time (laughs) we understand these things, there's still a huge lack of understanding and trust in science. And I wanted to explain to people what that could lead to. Exactly. Yeah. So this episode isn't like our usual ones where we sit down and explain the science behind things. Rather, this episode's more focusing on the relevancy of understanding things themselves. Yeah. And just the fact that like when, how do I phrase this? Like when your beliefs or when your understanding are influenced by something, how they can impact the decisions that you make. And we just wanted to just talk about how those witch trials, in the witch trials, it was the belief that the devil was at work, just led you and influenced you to accuse women of being witches and males of being witches, um, which is relevant today where like we're in a pandemic and people think coronavirus came from a lot of different places that have mm-hmm. no scientific backing but and so I feel like it's very relevant in, w- in the world we live in now with conspiracy theories and everything just to understand how people thought back then to how people think now yeah if that makes sense <laughs> it does and hard to put it into words Claire and Zoe are better than us <laughs> they are not only that and another reason why other than you should care about this um that the witch trials are relevant is because women are still being I keep saying women sorry women and men are still being accused of being witches today I think you should apologize I think it is um majority majority women yeah but I feel like the small percentage that was accused still needs to be acknowledged but the majority are women yes I read um, an article in National Geographic and they had said that according to the UN and an organization known as Stepping Stones Nigeria 
they had found that the number of witch trials around the world are increasing. Oh, wow. Yeah. How? Accusations of being a witch around the world are probably not always a bad thing in certain places. Like, mm-hmm. would, there's all there's a lot of places where you would go to someone for magic intentionally because it was a good thing. It's just that in places where it's seen as a bad thing, there's these horrible repercussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's yes. still happening. We should still, even if it wasn't happening, we should still care about it, but especially yes. because it is, we should be caring about it. And Claire and Zoe make that very clear and they have given us so much information and really interesting talks and yes. discussions so, to think about. So I hope you enjoy the episode. So today um, we're going to chat with Claire Mitchell QC and Zoe Fentatotsi from the Witches of Scotland podcast. Claire is a lawyer who specialises in miscarriages of justice and Zoe is an author who has a particular interest in witches. The pair have set up a campaign to have a pardon, an apology and a monument um, dedicated to the witchcraft trials, which we'll talk about later. Yep, so this episode is kind of out there for us in the sense that we've always covered very strictly biological even scientific topics but the reason we decided to discuss this topic is because it has such interesting links to our scientific understanding and just being aware of the witch trials and how they're relevant to us today um yep so welcome Claire and Zoe so do you guys want to tell us a bit more about yourselves and your podcast and your campaign as well well it was it was Claire it started the campaign it was it was her baby um we met at a party um uh, I suppose it must have been two years ago I suppose in the summer Would that be right Claire but the last year obviously has been very elastic time-wise just nothing mm-hmm. makes any sense but yeah so just about nearly two years ago we met at a party and we bonded over a discussion about true crime podcasts and Claire said hey, talking of podcasts, I've got an idea for something. And then just over time, um, Claire got back in touch with me and, and said, you want to do the podcast with me? And I said, yes. And we both very much got an attitude of saying yes to things and working out how to do it afterwards, which I think is working out okay so far. We've, we've reached, reached our ages without getting killed at this point. So I think it's going okay. Um, and, then, and then Claire did lots of work putting stuff together um, Claire, do you want to say what it was that set you off on the path towards the campaign? Yes, um, um, I've always been interested in miscarriage of justice because that's basically the way I look at the world, filter it through uh, the ideas of, of justice. And I've always had an interest in Scottish history, but with an accent on Scottish judicial history. And, and therefore I had a wee bit of insight, I suppose, into the witchcraft trials coming at it though from a legal perspective, not really thinking about the people that were behind the witchcraft trials. And um, I read a brilliant book called a woman, uh, by a woman called Sarah Sheridan, and the book's called Where Are the Women? And you would think that I was on some immense discount for it, because I tell everyone about it, it's a great book. And she reimagines Scotland as a place where women are memorialised everywhere. So the names of the streets are all names of women who did great things. The the statues, she imagines a Scotland where there are statues everywhere of women who did great things and tells you about it. So like a a guidebook to an area. And um, her question was, uh, the question that's kicked it all off and posed it for her was, where are the women? Where where are the women in public spaces? And um, so with all these sorts of things going on in the background, 
interest in the witchcraft trials, history of jurisprudence. Um, I went a walk one day to Princess Street Gardens with my dogs and I must have been reflecting on Sarah's book because I was looking around going, where are the women? There are no signed, uh, sorry, there are no statues, there are no signs up for women. Um, there are signs up for, for, for men everywhere I can see that, that tell you stories about men, things that men did. Um, and they're properly memorialising things that men have done. I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't, but there was no memorialisation of women, no, no women's stories. And I got to the top of Princess Street Gardens, um, uh, whereupon I found um, a, a life-size statue of a bear called Wojciech. And there was a statue to Wojciech and there was a plaque to all the good things he'd done during the war. And I was like, what? there's a statue to a full-size full statue of a bear there's a statue of a dog and there's statues of men. Have women done nothing? Is there is there no celebration <laughs> to be had of women? And then I looked up at the Castle Eighth, I looked over there and I thought, not only is there no statues or signs about the great things that women have done, but there's no acknowledgement that a terrible, terrible injustice was done to thousands of women in Scotland and men, but to a much lesser extent. And it was all those things came together at one time and I thought, I, I, I sort of stomped home with the dogs behind me and I wrote the sort of manifesto for the Witches of Justice campaign, which is, I want a pardon for those that were convicted, an apology for everyone, because a lot of people never made it to trial. They were accused and in torture, they died, or sometimes um, they were acquitted occasionally, but their lives would have been ruined because of the accusations of witchcraft. So I want a pardon, I want an apology, and I want a national monument explaining what happened to these people and how they died in a terrible miscarriage of justice. And that's that's the campaign. And on International Women's Day last year, uh, um, myself along with Zoe and a group of other friends all got together and with no foresight whatsoever, no one could accuse us of being witches, we said, we're starting off this campaign. And then within a week, we were all locked down in our house in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> and uh, nobody, I think, we, we, was at that point, the high priority was what happened 300 years ago. So uh, we left the whole campaign off. And then it was in September, Zoe and I picked things back up again um, by starting the podcast and um, by going and doing a few events before lockdown started again. And now we're in a situation where we're, we're just able to do the podcasts. It's amazing. And it seems like despite the fact that you've had to deal with the lockdown, you've managed to use it to your benefit and get a lot of guests onto the podcast and really spread yeah. the campaign around the world, Julie. It's actually really, really worked in our favour, to be honest, because we, although we've both got jobs to do, I mean, Claire's obviously still QCing. Can you use that word in that way, QCing? And um, I'm a teacher. So the two of us have still got stuff to do. I'm teaching remotely and I have to go into school, um, you know, a day or, or two a week, depending on who's in. We're, we're working away, but it means that we can schedule interviews in a way that we wouldn't be able to do normally and now that zoom is used so widely and it's totally normalized everybody's used to it now we can get in touch with people like in norway we've been in touch with a guy in germany we've we're in touch with people all over scotland and england and we can say can you meet you know at two on thursday whereas ordinarily i just don't think it wouldn't have worked out like that we wouldn't have been thinking sort of outside the limitations of face-to-face -face interviewing so actually it's been brilliant and we would never i well i don't think claire i don't know if you'd agree with this I don't think we would have made as many episodes as we've done. I mean, I think we're on, this week we'll be recording maybe the 27th. Um, and 
I don't think that would have been likely otherwise. Well, we're on we're on episode twenty seven, and um, when we sat down to think about this, we thought, "What Zoe? We're like six. Yeah, <laughs> out of it, and there's no signs of it slowing down. There's just more and more and more experts to talk about. Sorry, Zoe's looking alarmed there. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna Never go gonna on forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is, is uh, I did say come and be involved in this podcast yes yes six that'll be no problem two years later she's still working like a slave every week <laughs> no 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 it's it's good it's good because it means that there's been something interesting to focus on and I think that's been really helpful during lockdown and I think also why it's been popular is because it's it's something different it's got nothing to do with like what life is like in lockdown or the pandemic and it's you know I think history is endlessly fascinating as we said before about true crime this is definitely in the same sort of area as a true crime podcast because it's a wrong that's been done and there's Mm -hmm. detail and I think that people have really connected to this it's definitely kept my brain ticking away which has been helpful because otherwise I would just be watching tons of Netflix most of the time I mean I'm still (laughs) managing Netflix but I do I wanted to actually um, later on talk about why people have such an interest in the witches uh, or the witch trials even but should we start off just giving a taste about what the witch trials were and how many how many people were accused and killed and why you have a particular interest in Scotland um, you could sure. well um so in Scotland between um the 16th and 18th century um, and most specifically between when the Witchcraft Act came in which is um, 1563 to 1736. Um, During that period of time at a very conservative estimate 4,000 people were accused of witchcraft and again at a very conservative estimate 2,500 of them were executed. Approximately 85% of them were women the number of people sorry that's my dog <laughs> it's okay they've appeared on everyone's podcast so far that we oh, it must be a good luck charm it's fine what would it be without them having their their tuppence worth to see about everything um so um of that number so so when you look at, at that number over that period of time we outdone our european neighbors outdid our european neighbors by executing people five times as many people accusing and executing than than in the rest of Europe. So we excelled at finding uh, women alleged to be witches and of killing them. So um, so those are the those are the sorts of very basic stats about it. And the only other real statistic I think of note is that the um, the amount of uh, women who were killed across Europe as a generality were were slightly uh, lower. It was about eighty twenty was the split, and elsewhere in Europe. So not only did we kill um, five times as many people, um, but we also um, there was a higher percentage in Scotland of women accused of witchcraft mm-hmm. than men. Wow. So was there any specific reason why it was women over men? So you said eighty five percent of them were women. Was there any reason why there was? Yeah, that's a that's a great question I think Zoe you can yeah I mean there's there's various reasons for it um that I think probably the, the biggest clearest reason is that um and we've, we've talked about this a wee bit recently um that John Knox um who is thought to be one of the the author of the witchcraft act really was not a fan of women he was very misogynistic 
and really felt that women were um, conduits for the devil because we are weaker and stupider. We have less self-control and um, are more sort of easy prey basically for the devil and that the devil would take you know the easiest route to to get to get humans and to wreak sort of evil basically so i think that that is one of the absolute underlying causes is just rank misogyny is that is that women are you know well of course they'd be in in league with the devil they're stupid and you know spineless so i think that's one of the one of the issues i think another issue is that broadly speaking at that point and maybe arguably now women had less power um and that a lot of the people that were accused weren't didn't necessarily have money now that wasn't completely across the board some of the people that were accused did have money but the vast majority didn't which meant that they didn't have any legal representation um and that they that they might have been i mean there was there's a huge array of reasons why people were accused of being witches ranging from um them being unpopular or strange or have a disability or have land that somebody else wanted or them being um, maybe troublesome in some way or them maybe having a profession such as um, a herbalist or a midwife or an early iteration of a nurse or you know anything that they just annoyed somebody in some way or somebody was trying to Put the spotlight of blame onto them instead of themselves so there's a huge array of reasons and we've got a kind of i i think and this isn't a tremendously popular view maybe we've got a slightly romantic vision of what women who were who were accused of witchcraft and i think that's something that um film and tv's got a, got a bit to say about it that witches women that were accused for being witches were um red-headed left-handed um midwives standing on a mountain, standing up to men. Do you know what I mean? Like there is a kind of a romanticism of it. Now I'm sure that there were women that would fall under that umbrella of description, but really the only thing that these people had in common was that they were humans, really. Yeah. That's that the, mm-hmm. you could be doing nothing, nothing at all. And somebody could just go, she's a witch or he's a witch, you know? And the, then once the accusation had been made, there was no onus on them to have any evidence because what they do is they'd force a confession out of the accused and that was enough evidence. Now, we'd like to think we're a bit more sensible than that now, but then it, it really was an accusation and then a confession and that was enough, really. Mm-hmm. So. It feels like you were walking on eggshells then because I guess a misconception I had that it was that you maybe were in some way practising some form of magic or you were outspoken for the times but really you were just a normal person yeah and you could yeah. have annoyed someone and that was it yeah and there's basically have, just yep there sorry there will have been some women that were practicing magic or, or there will have been some women that were outspoken um for sure but it really was that they were just ordinary people and that's something that claire and i say a lot which we think is super important to the campaign and the understanding of it which is that you you have to get your head around the fact that they were just ordinary people that you know that they were just like you or me you know they were just normal people that just got accused for it and in fact something that Claire often mentions is the um the memorial up in Orkney says they were just folk and I think that's something that we try that's right isn't it Claire yep I quote that. it, it, it says in the Orkney way it says they were just folk ch like oh. the, way, the way it's spoken it's really beautiful yeah and, and I think that's something that really rings true for us, that, you know, that you just have to think of the, the people as just being normal people, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, uh, something that you said in the international 
um, Women's Day event on Sunday that really shocked me was some of the evidence that you found for why people were accused of witches. And one of them was like, they were found talking to a pet cat or they were near a street that went on fire. And it's just, they're just pulled out of nowhere. <laughs> Anything, um, women being seen out late at night, women talking to one another without uh, people knowing about what they were talking about. Um, a woman standing somewhere where later there had been a fire. Um, I mean, just just anything at all. For example, there were there were lots of stuff we haven't done this in the podcast a lot, but but we, we uh, will look into this. There were a lot of allegations about women causing bad weather conditions, <clears throat> weather witches <clears throat> that women would cause. Um, the women would cause bad weather at sea. Um, and there was one up in Orkney, um, a woman who'd fallen out with a neighbour who was a seafaring man, was accused of being a witch because when he took his boat out, there was then a huge storm. And there was um, a, a seal, I think it was, was a seal seemed to be seen in so. the water. And that was the woman. She had changed herself mm. into a seal and she was watching the man struggle against the elements and she'd caused this weather to, to, um, to get back at him. And she was tried as a witch. And Zoe has very uh, um, astutely pointed out that if there was a, an, a, an opportunity for you to change into a different animal, you'd probably want to do it as they were saying, right, we're now going to strangle you and burn you as a witch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be the right point. Yeah, You might just decide to come something else, like a bird and fly off and go out yeah. with somebody yeah. else. Or if you had the powers, you would protect yourself then, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm, correct. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it was it was basically just used as a weapon against women than just anyone you didn't like. Well, yeah. it was it was absolutely, but but along with that, the interesting dynamic was that people actually believed that the devil were amongst us. Right. That James James the the sixth, who himself had a very bad. Um, experience traveling from Denmark back to Scotland with his new wife. Um, he had a very bad crossing and he subscribed to the view that that was caused by witchcraft and there were big trials in North Berwick which involved um, allegations of uh, treason by trying to kill the king by um, this witchcraft. So they were charged with, with treason and witchcraft. I think what's really, really interesting about that is that that um, women um, and some men, of course, were blamed for things which were completely out with their their scope of capability or scope of mm-hmm. knowledge of how they could do these things. But it was just stories that were attributed to them, and then, mm-hmm. as we said, they were um, they, they were tortured by sleep deprivation until they confessed, or sometimes they were stripped and checked for devil's marks over them. And a highly, highly scientific time at the see? Um, and I think that's it's quite interesting because I, I know obviously the, the very scientific base, but people thought they were being scientific in the rigorous tests for the devil's mark that they were carrying out. Yeah. So, and so what was the devil's mark? So the devil's mark is a mark on the body um, where it could be anywhere in your body at all, which is basically like any kind of different mark. So it's, it would be like a red mark or, or something like that, we, as we all have them all over yeah, our birth, bodies. Birthmarks, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Birthmarks, but not even that. It could also be just, you know, a, a scar that had healed up 
or you'd bumped yourself recently and it had gone red. It, it wasn't necessarily as, as, as detailed as a, or obvious as a birthmark. And um, what would happen was they would, they, they would employ the pricker and he would very scientifically come along and he would uh, put the, um, the needle into you and depending on how much you bled, uh, and that was a, 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 something that was um, considered by the, the pricker themselves, you would be a witch or not a witch mm -hmm. in how much you bled. So a lot would have to obviously do with what part of the body it was in. If you put it into a part of the body, I don't know, like the scalp, which bleeds a great deal, then you would maybe have a proliferance of blood. But if you put it into some other part of the body, with um, you would hardly get any. So yeah. um, that was the inverse comma scientific test that they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you see that. And I mean, we've actually done an episode on sleep, and you, we know that from what is it, twenty four hours of sleep deprivation, you can start hallucinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, so obviously, like if I was sleep deprived, of course I would say whatever they wanted for them to yeah. stop torturing me. Absolutely. So um, you're being sleep deprived and also you're in a state of absolute panic because you know you've been accused of being a witch and the likely outcome for you is you're going to be strangled and burned. Yeah. You believe in the devil. You you think that if you're going to be strangled and burned as a witch, you will not have a proper burial. You will not make it to heaven. They were deeply, deeply religious people. And so, so you have that fear, you have that lack of sleep, and then you have people constantly taking it in turns, asking you about the devil and when you had sex with the devil and what was he wearing and where were you and who else was there. People just lost their minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was going to ask, so you said that they were tortured and forced to confess. So why did they choose to do that and not kill them right away? Because they saw the witches as a threat, didn't they? So why did they need an outright confession and the need to torture them first i i think i mean claire we've not actually talked about that before but i think that it's that they saw themselves as being you know sophisticated reasonable people that were of god and that had a legal system i mean this wasn't just a case of them you know like sort of cavemen going and grabbing a woman and and you know killing her this this was a system where they had a very organized church and there was a very organized social structure and you know they they, they really thought that they were doing god's work you know and, and that that the confessions were real evidence they they viewed them as being real evidence and they really did view the devil as being a real entity and what they were doing was absolutely what the bible was asking them to do so mm -hmm. i think i think that they viewed all i mean i think it's quite easy to look back at our ancestors and say oh you know they're foolish and ignorant and you know they, they were unenlightened and so on but I think actually that does a, a bit of a disservice to the truth and I think that actually they, it was sophisticated and that was where they were I mean I, I've no doubt that if there are still humans on this planet in 200 years which I doubt that they'll look back and they'll say what on earth were they doing then yeah like, fair. the foolishness that they had you know in those days but that doesn't mean that we don't have a very sophisticated, you know, human society. And I think it was the same then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They were carrying out due process. There were a few people, uh, very sadly, who were taken away and there was mob rule and they were just killed like that. But for the vast majority of them, these were, for their time, proper sophisticated trials. Mm -hmm. Nothing like we would identify today as a trial, but still... Mm -hmm. They had people that were judging. They had witnesses that might come along and see what they saw about people staying out late or about spotting a seal in the bad weather, which was obviously the woman. Um, 
and they would have someone deciding on that, and you know, so it was it was cloaked with due process. Mm-hmm. And in fact, and, as time went as time went on, um, I think that the powers that be realised that things were getting out of hand, didn't they, Claire? And then the, the process changed a little bit because they were a bit. I think they realised, like, hang on, this is going a bit crazy. We need to we need to rein in these sort of uh, regions that are just going nuts for the witch stuff. And then at that point, things changed a bit, didn't they, Claire? Yeah, I mean, there were four periods of satanic panic, if you like. And the first one was basically unregulated, where people were being called witches and trials were popping up and happening all over the place. And it was after this first period of satanic panic that it was realised that, that they just couldn't have it happening because they would be killing thousands upon thousands of people mm-hmm. yeah. um, unregulated. So what happened was the Privy Council said, we will grant a, uh, a commission, and you have to hold a commission from us before you can uh, you do a witch trial. So they had some control over it, and that cut down the numbers of unregulated trials. Mm-hmm. So what was it then that the way I imagine it in my head is like everything was peaceful, and there was like a, but then there was a boiling point where things just exploded, and people were accusing left, right and centre, what was it that caused this satanic panic and then the witch trials? Well, um, over the course of 200 years, there were different variables. But in Scotland, the experts, and Zoe and I, we have to stress, Zoe says it as well, we are far from experts. We're not. We're interested bystanders. Um, (laughs) Bystanders with an all right memory. We, we get most of it right, don't we, Zoe? But, yeah, <laughs> which is why it's so good to have like a podcast partner, because if you forget something, you can look at the other one and go, do you remember? Yes, I exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, yeah, so they reckon there's a lot of reasons, and we do talk about it with Professor Julian Goodyear on the podcast, um, as to what came together. And what came together in Scotland were a number of factors, at least at the start. First was the fact that the church was going through a great deal of upheaval at the time and there were a number of churches all wanting to be seen to be most godly, the most godly of of them closest to God. So there was great access to the church, pardon me. So there was great access to local people to be able to vent their um, complaints in the church. But there was also access to local people to vent their complaints in uh, the local courts so in Scotland, there was actually a good proliferance of courts around the country where people could go and ventilate um, their complaints. And thirdly, so you had the, the, um, the state in the form of courts, you had the religious bodies um, um, in the churches, and thirdly, you had, at the start of things, really, James VI, who was the king. Now, this was a very godly country. They believed that... Uh, King James was appointed to the role by God and that he was God's envoy on earth. So when he was obsessed, and obsessed is the absolute word, I mean, he literally wrote the book on demonolo- called Demonology about witchcraft, demonology. Um, he imbued that with a sense of importance to the people. It gave legitimacy to the people. So from the very, very top down and all the powers that be were all absolutely clear that the devil was amongst us. He was doing evil. That was what the problem was. 
here. That was why people died. That was why bad things happened to people. It was the devil amongst us, and it was their job to root it out. So with all those factors coming together, that's really why the witchcraft, that, that's really why allegations of witchcraft really, really took off. And the Witchcraft mm -hmm. Act, which was originally written, we think, or the idea of it was to stop people selling charms. People would sell unregulated charms for things. Um, and it was, to, it was to stop charmers, I think. Um, that's something, again, we'll have to speak to experts about. But, but it, 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 was, it wasn't dealt with in that way. The way it actually dealt with was identifying um, mostly women, uh, having them confess and having them executed. Um, so, so if you're if you're thinking of a peaceful, you know, rural place, as you said, it kicked off because within the, the local community there would be perhaps tensions. Zoe's already spoken about the fact that people could have owed other people money, or that um, you had a neighbour who you quarrelled with, and that neighbour became very ill. Well, what would yeah. the reason for that be? It would be because you were a witch that had put a spell on that person. And that's that's how they started. So it was it was misattributing ills which occurred to, yeah. to different Yeah, I, I think there's quite a lot of evidence, isn't there, sort of psychologically across across different times that when things get tough in a country, people look for groups to blame and particular yeah. mm -hmm. people to blame. You know, and we can see that happening now. You know, you can see that in Britain now in, in different ways. So I think that there, some of the, the people that we've spoken to, the experts, have told us about actually how brutal life was. You know, and there was there was one person that we had, it was Karen Strang, an artist, and she was talking about some of the work that was um, that was done, sort of like um, how people made their living, basically. And I think this was in Fife she was talking about. And she was talking about how one of the industries, Claire, you're going to have to remind me of the salient points here. One of the industries, though, they use blood a lot. What was that for again? Yeah, I, I, I can't remember now, but it was the image that she described. They used, they, there was lots of blood and the smell of burning blood. Uh -huh. They had to boil blood. Was it not salt mining? Salt, to do with salt oh, mining. Okay. Yeah. And it was just really brutal and awful. And you could just imagine that you, I mean, it wouldn't be a wonderful lifestyle where, you know, people lived long and healthy lives. It was brutal and harsh. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of evidence that that people wanted to blame somebody for their own misfortune. And it's an unfortunate facet of human psychology that that's not gone away. You know, so I think that if you could say, as Claire had said, you know, if the if the weather was bad and your crops went poorly or if you were ill and there was no 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 help for it or if your baby died when you were giving birth or your wife died while she was giving birth, you would look for somebody to blame. You know, I think that yeah. culture is not a new thing. So I think that that partially explains it as well, that life was tough. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to agree that like, and the uh, the idea of blaming someone quite easily. And then when you're living in a society where you're taught that the devil does a lot of work around you, it would have been quite logical almost for them to just be like, it's a witch. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. exactly. It wasn't that they were thinking, haha. I mean, some people did think, I'm going to get my neighbour. It's easy to call them a witch. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there mm -hmm. was some of that. But more readily, it was, in fact, people overlaying their uh, misfortunes with their mm -hmm. um, beliefs at that time. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and sad uh, to say that that's it's a it's a modern phenomenon as well. There are there mm-hmm. are some places we've got a guest coming up, hopefully on the show. Um, so I can't say too much about it just now, but they're going to be talking to us about the work that they do in their community, in their country, about accusations of witchcraft. And it's it's sometimes it's that something bad has happened. So it's easy to blame the witch and deal with the witch. Or I read something in, I think it was in Scientific American that was talking about, um, I think, God, this is bad. You can see that I'm not a scientist. A scientist <laughs> is organized, so I could tell you exactly what I meant. I can find send it to you. But the article was, I think it was in an area of India where there's um there's places where women have had their land taken from them by their families, where they've said, Oh, she's practicing witchcraft, therefore I'll take her stuff. And then the woman's basically like thrown off the land, or she has to keep living, you know, with her with her extended family, having been accused of being a witch, and then loses whatever kind of power she actually has. But it's not it's not just in India. There there are quite a few countries still an ongoing issue. And I think there's been talk about now I can't even remember who said this, but I think somebody says to her yesterday, Claire, that, that during the times of COVID, there have been accusations of it being caused by witches, which in the first instance to us maybe sounds laughable, but I can actually see why that might happen if people feel so mm-hmm. disempowered. You want to blame somebody because science. You know, the idea that it's that it's molecules in the air is just actually even more frightening than to say it was this person that did it. If we deal with them, it will stop. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think I, it's still a problem. It's still an issue. And, and I don't know how true this is. So you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. But like COVID is obviously a pandemic. I'd read somewhere that the Black Plague, which killed millions, was in Europe. That was one of the like. Uh, the dominoes that started off the witch trials in certain parts of Europe because again people couldn't justify all these deaths and not even seeing what it was that was causing it oh I didn't know that yeah I mean that would make sense you know and especially if you look at people like um the the plague doctors you know with the the faces the beaks and things and you know they they didn't have the same obviously the scientific knowledge about things so you would look for an answer and that, really? that would seem so random and devastating that, you know, it'd be easier to say, well, something caused this and it must have been the devil and he must have had human agents and it was that woman, you know, or, or that man, you know, yeah. that would make sense. Because just thinking that it's a tiny bacteria somewhere wasn't a knowledge then, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, is there, would you call the people, the males who are accused of witchcraft witches as well? Yeah, I was thinking it was like warlock. No, no, we looked into that because when you asked us that question, Claire and I had a a chat about that, and I think asked one of our guests because um, I think it's a very, very different thing to being a warlock. I think Mm -hmm. that's a different construct. I think, but the it's witches in this case because that's what was named legally. I think Claire's that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the it's the witchcraft act. So to be a witch, you would be carrying out acts of witchcraft but it was also uh, punishable with death under the Witchcraft Act for seeking out the help of a witch. So it's, it's, um, so it's all witchcraft, it's not wizardcraft. Okay, so if I was innocent, I wasn't a witch, but I'd ask someone to provide me a charm, I could still be convicted. Yes, there, yeah, there were right. terrible, terrible stories. One of the, one of the um, terrible stories that I've heard is that a woman... Uh, who was involved in helping the birth of a child gave um, medicines 
to help with the pain of childbirth. And because the pain of childbirth was something that was given to you by God and shouldn't be interfered with, that was considered in that particular instance an act of witchcraft. So both the, the woman who had been uh, receiving the pain medication and also the woman giving the pain medication were accused of witchcraft. It wasn't even like you had to have done something bad. In this case, you can provide good charms or good medicines. And yeah. So I guess like at the time, if you were ill, um, would you go to the priest to get the cure or you could go to a healer and get the cure and that healer would be seen as a witch? Well, um, it, it, it depended. I mean, uh, the, the allegation was a witchcraft. So there's, there's quite an interesting difference between people who were selling um, remedies, I suppose, and acts of witchcraft. Now, how you separate out the two of those, I don't know, because... I was just going to say it's a fine line, isn't it? <laughs> it's a fine perhaps non-existent line. Yeah, probably. You never quite know. But um, what we do know was that people who had money could go to doctors, and doctors were men. Because doctors would be going to university or I don't know mm-hmm. that to you you guys you, you know what um so a lot of people couldn't afford doctors and even then certainly at the very very start the idea of a doctor or as a man of learning was in its infancy in any event as well mm-hmm. you know but as as it as it went through the the decades and then went through the centuries so doctors were men people couldn't afford doctors so sometimes they would go to women who, down the centuries, have been passed on ways of doing things, uh, um, taking plants, herbs, stuff like that, used those. And, of course, when people went to those people, um, because they were already perhaps poorer, because they didn't have as good standards of life, because they're, they already came with problems that rich didn't, rich people didn't have in the same way that they were... Um, Perhaps they had better nutrients and stuff like that. We're already dealing with people that are more likely to be to be sick. So sometimes poor women who tried to assist as healers were sometimes dragged into uh, allegations of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. We have, um, we're delighted to say, um, we're involved with a, a group um, who have been given an amount of money at Napier University to produce a report in relation to midwives and early healers in Scotland who are alleged to have committed witchcraft. So um, we're we're on the steering committee for that and um, we're delighted that they're going to be looking into that work and really just assessing what the allegation um, was that they were a healer or a midwife Mm. and how that played a part in the allegation against them. So they were trying to compile as many papers as possible. And I really look forward to, to using that research. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. these kind of things should even be included in the syllabus for teaching doctors because they should know what their history of their their practices had, you know. That's exactly um, the mm-hmm. person, Dr. Nicola Ring, that came to me and discussed the whole thing with me. She teaches and she said at the start of her nursing classes, she would always say the story of nursing and the history of the nursing is the story of witches and all the students wow. were like, oh. <laughs> you know, in that, uh, in that survey, because of course you would be. Yeah, they laid the groundwork for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we've talked about how the witch trials started and satanic panic. I was wondering how important you thought 
the scientific re revolution in our knowledge of science was in ending the witch trials and what other factors were involved in ending it? Well, I think the Enlightenment was heralded the end of that period of time. So as we moved into a new era, era where reason and science came to the fore, the uh, the place of witchcraft ebbed away um, and it wasn't an automatic thing, it wasn't like oh we're now in the enlightenment <laughs> and now we believe that was rubbish so we were told, we were told in fact by an expert weren't we, so that even though the the like cognoscenti realised that witchcraft wasn't a thing anymore in 1735 it ended and then 1736 was repealed even though the sort of uh, folk who were perhaps more involved in the Enlightenment, etc., realised that it took a long time after that for that to filter through into yeah. everyday life. Yeah, yeah. Out, into the, out into the communities. I mean, if you think about it, obviously, people weren't travelling about as much as they would now. There, there wasn't the same sort of proliferation of news and updates and people weren't connected in the same way. So you could imagine sort of in scattered rural communities are the further away they were from from sort of maybe seats of learning that they're you know that was slower to sort of take up the new thoughts on it you know so it did take a while until it um till it kind of died out you know and I think I don't know I I write quite a lot about Scottish village life and and communities and villages and I, it's probably particular to villages the whole world over I'm sure it's not just Scotland but villages are weird places and Scotland <laughs> talk a block with villages and I think that people hold on to those stories which which for me is part of the thing why it's important that we have an apology and a pardon because there's got to be an echo through time of the people that were accused of witches I don't mean that in like in a fantastical magical way I mean that like in a trauma like generational mm -hmm. trauma way, where if your family you had like you know your granny or your auntie or your mom or whatever was accused of being a witch and was executed in fact even if she wasn't executed she had that taint then to her name that would have then passed on to the next generation the shame of that and the embarrassment of it and that would have passed on and I think that's borne out by the fact that we don't know the story because to yeah. me that speaks to people burying the story and it being a shameful secret because otherwise you know like if you if your great 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 granddad was involved in some sort of marvelous adventurous escapade the chances are that story would be passed down truthfully or not truthfully through the generations but we don't hear people saying oh this story's been passed down that my great 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 granny was a witch mm -hmm. you know you do get some people that come forward and say oh yes my my surname is uh I don't know like Mick McClancy or something and says you know I'm I'm related to the McClancy witch of you know Kirkton or whatever you, you do get people saying that but I'm not sure how much evidence that people have that they are actually direct descendants or they just happen to have the same surname yeah. I mean mm -hmm. it's hard to tell because the records aren't great but I was going to ask that yeah how, how much how yeah. many of the names do we even know mm -hmm. Not that many, Claire. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the more higher standing you were, the more likely that you'd be recorded. You know, if if you were from who was the person, Claire, that we reckon that there would be paperwork. The Earl, of Earl of Bothwell. So there would there would be right. a paper trail with somebody of that standing. But if you're talking about, you know, we John at Mackenzie of a tiny wee village in you know the middle of I don't know Aberdeenshire, then it's less likely that there would be documentation of her life going forward. You know, I mean, people couldn't probably couldn't write 
tremendously broadly and you know it would be oral histories to an extent and if we're saying that people weren't then ashamed then those stories yeah would be passed forward. Mm-hmm. I mean nobody wanted to be talking about the person in their family that was killed as a witch for fear that they would be accused of witchcraft as well yeah yeah people were these people, were, people would now yeah well yeah well yeah. What, what what's so interesting in comparison to us is Salem and Salem Massachusetts had uh, witch trials as well made world famous by the crucible where only 19 people were executed 15 women and four men but they're known worldwide yeah and within, yeah within a very short period of time they had a pardon and the salem witch trials play a really really central role with law students in america when they talk about due process that's why it was so interesting earlier on um when uh, manu you asked about whether or not these were real trials at all. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they? And the answer was because they were doing them properly and, and yeah. as opposed to at the time. But within a very short period of time in America, people realised that this was a terrible, terrible wrong that had been done. And in a short period of time, that was acknowledged. And um, all but I think one person still has a, for, a, a formal apology um everyone everyone but one has a formal apology and they're trying to get that last person an apology now but because of the fact that there was an acknowledgement even shortly after the time that this was wrong people proudly have the heritage of salem and you you get people uh, online that are members of um salem uh clubs where they uh, remember the history of their family and people can trace their lineage back oh, that mm-hmm. period of time Whereas for us, these people were just obliterated and the, the miscarriage of justice that happened to them was lost in the same way that their bodies were when they were burned. Wow. I guess Scotland stereotypically don't like admitting the wrong things they've done and just <laughs> brush it under the yeah. carpet, you know? Yes. <laughs> we feel very strongly about that. You know, I was reading... Um, in the dark place on Facebook, people were people were saying, um, comparing comparing the sort of the the campaign for for rehabilitating the witches, the accused witches, with um, with issues about slavery and about Scotland mm-hmm. facing slavery. And um, one quite quite misinformed person said, and I found this really interesting, said that um, that the witches should be should be pardoned, no question, it should be automatic. You know, especially when, and I'm quoting here, especially when um, there's all this talk about slavery and slavery didn't even happen in Scotland. And we're talking about that. And I was kind of like, oh my God, yeah. there's, the Scots were totally involved in slavery from, from buying slaves and stealing people and bringing them over and then being the overseers and making the money and building Scotland. And it just yeah. really dements me that it's, it's, it's kind of like you're able to hold these two ideas at the same time. Do you know what? We can do rubbish things and we can say okay we did a bad thing there we're not going to do it again it doesn't make you lose your power it it doesn't it doesn't mean as scots that we've then kind of gone oh we're terrible people people are complex and we do wrong things in history but if we don't want to repeat the mistakes then again then we need to make sure that we face up to it and say right that was a wrong we recognize it yeah. let's move on you know i think mm-hmm. that it doesn't cost us anything we had some silly comments on Twitter um, about people that had obviously read about the issue of slavery in Scotland facing up to that, saying, oh, 
who are you going to pay reparations to? None of the witches are still alive. And it's just like, oh, for God's sake. It's not <laughs> really That's not the it. point. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you probably had a lot of people ask you, why is this relevant when it is so long ago? But it is that, isn't it? It's admitting what we've done wrong. Yeah. And it's it's teaching kids in history how women have been treated and people who are not what society wants to be the norm are treated and we need to and- know about it. And I like the um, Mm -hmm. example that you gave about the Salem witch trials where I, for some reason, I think just because of how, like how well known it is, I thought there would be a lot more people accused than what you said were 19, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Did you study the crucible at school? I did, yeah. (laughs) Did you study the crucible when you were at school? I actually, I I was, I was Mary Warren. (laughs) (laughs) You do look like you could be quite Salem-y. I would say, I just imagine you with the sort of the hat and the, yeah. the dress and all the rest of it. Yeah, Amy, you would you'd work in that. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good, no, I'm just kidding. Did, you not, study study Did you not study at the Olamid? Uh No, um, I went to school in Abu Dhabi in the UAE, uh, so we probably did not, not study that. on the curriculum there, I would imagine. No, yeah. no. It is a, it is a very is... Western curriculum item, you know. I'm an English teacher, yes. I and I've, I've taught it, you know, I was taught it when I was at school, mm-hmm. and I think it's so firmly embedded in our consciousness that that's, you know, that, that not only is there was there far more witches than there actually were, but also that it's a historical document. It's not. Arthur Miller just made it up. He took some stuff and then wove a story around. That's what we do as writers, you know. That's why you can't treat them as historical documents. But that is totally what we have in our minds, I think. It certainly was what I had when we started the campaign. What what is it? So I didn't know the ins and outs of the witchcraft trials, but I've always known about them. And I also am very interested in them. And I feel like that's a very common thing. Why is it we're so interested in witches and almost romanticise it? And like you said in your International Women's Day event, when you asked women on Twitter, would you be accused? They almost proudly said yes. Why is it we're like yeah. that? <laughs> I think, again, it's that romanticisation, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. uh, you, you want to identify with sort of tough, tough women that got punished for being, you know, standing up for themselves. Whereas actually the, the true story is that that women get punished just for being women. You know, mm. it's not, you don't have to do anything extraordinary. You don't have to be bold or brave. That it, you, you just have to be a woman. And it draws a certain amount of fire, obviously, towards you. And I think that it's a kind of a bolstering up your own identity by saying, I, I would have been accused for witchcraft. Because what you're really saying is you're saying, I am strong-willed and independent and feisty and I can stand up for myself, which is brilliant. They're all really good things. But I think that it's one way that we we build our identity up and shore it up a little bit and say, well, I know women are treated badly, but I'm going to try and reclaim that in some way. And I, I think yeah. that it's been romanticised a little bit, which niggles me a wee bit, I have to be honest, mm-hmm. because I, I think it's very important... Um, and I think it's the same with science, actually, if I can draw this parallel. You, you might have a theory about something, but if, when you go and do your research, you have to have the data to prove that your theory is correct. And I feel quite mm-hmm. strongly about that, which is why I'm so enjoying talking to all these experts, because they're coming and they're saying to us, well, that bit's true, that bit's made up. You know, and, and one of our experts, Julian Goodair, who's not ours, we can't actually claim him. One of the people we, we <laughs> interviewed, Julian Goodair, who's one of the world's leading experts on, on the witchcraft um, trials. 
said that what he finds a lot is that people come up to him and tell him what they think that they know about witches, but they're not necessarily true facts. And I do yeah. think it's really important that we owe, um, we owe sort of the respect of the truth to the story as well. I think it's, I mean, there's enough material to work with. It's awful. It's awful. Nothing <laughs> else needs to be added to it. But I do think it's really important that we listen to the to the history researchers and that we look at the resources properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess in that way, you sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just gonna say, and like uh, in doing that, I feel like that's how you give them the respect that these women deserved, and just acknowledge everything that they've been through. And I completely get what you mean about the romanticization. I feel like that takes away from that in a bit mm-hmm. by just being like, oh, I'm, I feel like I would have been a bit witch, but it's yes. like, but those women went through a lot exactly. and got accused of being a witch. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that to hold on to the romantic image, while it's nice and, and it's it's cool in, in lots of ways, it also, it, it makes it easy then to sweep it away again and make fun yeah. of it and yeah. actually... I think if we just keep thinking this was just a person, this was just a regular person, it just keeps bringing us back to actually the terrible wrong that was done to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, we all romanticise it at Halloween when we're dressed up as witches, but like you said, they were just people. They weren't walking around in cloaks with a big crooked nose. And I mean, also, look, look at the way that we, we portray witches at Halloween. They're not just witches, they're sexy witches. Like, what yeah. is that yeah. all about? You know, it's like it's like the tiny outfits and the fishnet tights, and that, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's a whole other conversation about the sex <laughs> yeah. costumes. Generally, is incredibly bizarre. But again, it's the male gaze. It's for the male gaze. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's misogyny. It's just further evidence of misogyny. Yeah, it's just changed exactly. its its viewpoint throughout the, the years. It's the same I thing. I think I think people uh, dressing up as sexy witches would have to have its own PhD. There is so much to try to yeah. years of madness that occur. You know, first of all, you kill women, then you pretend what they look like, then you dress up as them, then that's not enough, then they have to look sexy. It's like, where are we going with this? Yeah. yeah. And I, I've always found it intriguing when we almost justify things based on how long ago it was. Like, you could go to the Colosseum in Rome and take a selfie, but you wouldn't go to Auschwitz and do that, you know? And really, it was the same thing. And I think it's similar with um, the witches. Like, we dress up about it and we romanticise it, but you wouldn't do that to people whose human rights are being tarnished just now. No, absolutely. And, and of course, we do understand that the further things are away in time, the less easy it is to identify with it. You know, and that's really, I mean, comedians have have a thing, don't they, that you can't joke about things that just happened, mm-hmm. but there's a period of time that elapses and then it's okay to tell jokes or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit more socially acceptable or whatever. Yeah. Um, and here what has happened is we are currently in a time where, where thousands of people were killed in the worst miscarriage of justice in Scottish history, but it's all right to treat them as a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And it's like it's no. Let's let's get to the time when it's not all right to treat them as a joke. It's about what changing if, that narrative mm-hmm. on witches. Yeah. Exactly. One of our um, listeners actually asked what you think the trials have done for feminism and women's rights today, and it seems like it's very halved <laughs> what it has done. Well, yeah. it's, held, it's held them back. I mean, women for 200 years in Scotland were placed in a situation where they were terrified. Um, anything could have caused an allegation of witchcraft. Therefore, um, 
women were, were supposed to stay at home, as we said. They weren't supposed to read. They weren't supposed to learn. So all of these things that women weren't allowed to do inhibited the cause of feminism. Mm-hmm. But by its very, very being. So it it just meant that for a long time um, we couldn't progress as we're currently trying to progress. Yeah. And we're, now, we're now in the 21st century. Things still aren't equal. Um, we still live in a world which is dominated politically by men. It's uh, The land is mostly owned by men. Those are the definitions of patriarchy. We still live in a world which is, is dominated by men. And as much as, as women are trying to do what they can, they can't do it in a very short period of time. So the, a direct result of the fact that we had those 200 years of net means that we're much less far forward than we could have been had they never happened. Yeah, and the fact that you're seeing they're still happening throughout the world is so sad. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we still, we still live in a society where, you know, look at the stats for women that are killed by their intimate partners. I mean... You know, we're we're miles behind where we need to be if we're going to have parity. We're miles behind. You know, you, you Claire looked at this the other day. She looked at the top ten stories on the BBC News website, and what was it? The top four were about violence to women. You know, like in Dundee, there, yeah. there's just been a case in Dundee where um, a man appeared in court, I think, yesterday, with with murdering a woman and um, her her little child that had gone missing from an area in England you know like there's that girl that's gone missing in London you know like none of us walk out at night thinking well this is fine you know like no (laughs) I I always think could I run in what I'm wearing now you know my cardio help to one my keys in my hand can I position them in my knuckle right now that's bananas I was telling um it's I was telling a male friend the other day because he was walking home and I was like oh yeah remember with your keys you aim for the Adam's apple or the eye or like the crotch and he's like I've never ever thought about that and I was like that's where it hurts and that's where you can run and that's things that I've just we're learned so early yeah we're we're sort of we're we're socialized with that you know like there's that Margaret Atwood quote that men are frightened that women will laugh at them and women are frightened that men will kill them you know and Margaret Atwood, in many ways, is, is, has had some really interesting stuff to say, you know, and I think that that, for me, really sums it up. And I don't think that that's any different to what it was like during the witchcraft days. Yeah, the witch just days. that as well as being attacked, you could be then accused of, for sure. of being a witch. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we're running out of time, so I'll ask my one last question and then we can wrap things up. So because of we currently still live in a time where there's so much misinformation and lack of knowledge and there's a lot of conspiracy theories and um, superstitions and all of that is obviously very dangerous. So do you think of how, do you think our understanding of how that hysteria, the spread during the witch trials could help us now as well? Absolutely. You saw the stuff with QAnon and with Trump and with the, the, the crazy ideas that crazy that these were people, modern day people, that were absolutely convinced that um, Trump was going to come back into power, things were going to, I mean, I won't even, I won't even <laughs> credit anything on nonsense, but it was all crazy stuff, it's things that people believe, and they don't believe them, it, to say people are just stupid would be to undervalue yeah. what, what it's about, and also wouldn't be to do, do service to 
the truth of the matter. It's not that just people are stupid. It's that they feel um, they have they have reasons for believing what mm-hmm. they believe, and they may not be good reasons, but there are but they are are reasons which underpin that. And I think that um, it gives you a, a modern day glimpse into into the past. And we shouldn't just look at the past and think, oh, they didn't know what they were talking about. They were stupid. Because every every modern person thinks that of past people. No <laughs> doubt they thought the people 200 years before them were very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. I do think that it, that it provides an opportunity for us to see where things like mass hysteria have come from. Yeah. And how they really happen again. For me, it's about education. You know, I feel that really strongly. I think that we are in a bizarre situation now where we have got the potential to be educated on anything really easy, easily with our phones and our computers. It's really, really easy. But we're choosing a lot of the time to to be stuck in like fear-based research mm-hmm. where people are scared because they don't have money or they're scared about climate change or whatever it is. And are, are less and less sort of attached to, to real life communities and more and more attached to virtual communities. That can be a good thing, but it can be a really negative thing too, because it's really easy to start looking at things on the internet and to just go down that rabbit hole of where there's yep. more and more people who, who maybe write very convincingly. You know, there's there could be deep fake videos to back it up. There could be manipulated photography. There could just be really good speakers or somebody who just really speaks to your deep fear. And it's very easy to convert people, I think. And it's it's cult-like, I think. It's very it's yes. interesting and horrifying. So I think that's where it's really important that you've got teachers, and I do genuinely think this, that will challenge kids. I can remember really clearly at the beginning of the of what they were calling the coronavirus then. So back when that was starting and there were stories coming out about China. And I remember I had my class of they were second years at that point and say, them saying to me, a few of the kids in the class saying to me, well, it's because of the Chinese. It's because they eat bats. And I was like, hang on a minute. This is not what we're doing today, but we'll just stop what we're doing today. And let's just unpick this a little bit. But if mm-hmm. they don't have adults who they trust, saying to them, that's not true. Where's your evidence for that? Let's talk about the evidence. Then that's just going to get bigger and bigger. And, you know, kids, that's how kids operate. We would hope they'd grow out of it. But we're seeing a lot of adults that are operating in the way that kids do, where it's gossip and rumour and and they're just Mm -hmm. talking to other people that have the same views. So for me, sorry, I don't want to blab on. Sorry, (laughs) it's about education. It's, It's telling people the truth and sticking to the truth whilst at the same time trying to think about how other people feel. That's how yes. in hearts and minds, I think. I think and that's it, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just going to say that I, I've noticed in myself that I used to get so angry at people and like, what, why can you think like that? And I'd shout at them and argue with them. And now I've realised that if I actually just sat down and talk to them like, that's an okay belief, but here's why I don't believe it and just give my opinion, then they often respect that more and then start to mm-hmm. listen you can see that eyes like just change like oh, I never thought about it that way you know yeah but I think also if people felt more secure if people felt safer economically if they had decent houses we had decent health care we had yeah. safety we had good policing and all that sort of thing people would feel a lot a lot less danger d- endangered and would yeah. be less likely to look for people to blame for their yeah. feeling of instability 
I think mm-hmm. that's why America's gone so bananas is yeah. because they are they're they just feel like they're on the edge of the abyss a lot of people there yeah. and have clung on to really bananas ideas to make themselves feel better yeah and it's just the people in power kind of promoting the idea that you can just blame another group and all your problems will be solved and mm-hmm. that's not it too <laughs> And meanwhile, they're sitting in their in their McMansions with tons of money yeah. and loads of cars and do, you know breaking no the law, one's blaming them. Women, yeah. getting away with it. You know, exactly. So why wouldn't an ordinary person look at that and go, "Well, they can do that. They're breaking the rules. Why shouldn't I break the rules?" It's just a really hideous sort of immoral yeah. situation. Exactly. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, I can talk about that all day but I think you both need to leave as well (laughs) so uh, just finally um how can we help your campaign well brilliant thank you for asking Um, the campaign is just telling people about it um getting people on side when I started the campaign um I started speaking to people um after I'd really explained to them what it was about and the reasons behind it I have found so many people to be supportive. It, it's a bit much, or it certainly was a bit much for me a year ago, just to say to people, well, will you help me try and get pardons for witches? People were like, what? You know, and you're like, no, no, let me explain. Let me talk to you about it. And that's what we've really been doing for this whole year. We've just been trying to talk to people about it and saying it's, it's, you know, yes, those people won't actually personally benefit from them. We'll benefit from it. We'll know what... Um, what happened in this country so we don't repeat it so it doesn't happen again and um so what you can do is you can just tell people about it um ask them if they will to sign the petition which is up at the scottish parliament just now they've only got till the 17th of march so i don't know when your your podcast comes out it might be after that time but even if it is after that time i would simply ask people to come and speak to us on the uh, listen to us on the podcast so they can hear about the campaign and so that when the Scottish Parliament come to think about it we can have lots of people voicing their support for it. We're releasing this on Sunday which is Mother's Day which we didn't plan but I think it's quite fitting um, for the mothers that came before us. (laughs) Um, Oh brilliant we're remembering our four mothers. Exactly yes but yeah I I couldn't have planned it better. (laughs) Um, But that's great. Thank you, honestly, so much. I love talking about this. And it's been, thank you for giving us your time to record. Yes, thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Well, that was the episode. (laughs) And I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you learned something new today because I learned a lot. And I don't know about you, but I feel like very passionate. Like, I feel very. Uh, what's the word like you know when we watched moxie and i was just like i'm gonna go do shit now yeah i feel i'm in that stage where i'm like we need to do something now yeah and i hope it like i hope that drive keeps going but yeah i feel it was good learning all of that i think it is that what zoe had said the generational trauma it's almost like we're so passionate about it because it's happened to the women before us and things are happening to women yes. around the world and it just although they're, they're different kinds of accusations still happening yeah it's still like niggles something in us that upsets it's, us you know yeah it's um zoe said that they were accused of just being female and i feel like almost every woman 
can relate to that where something in their life has just happened just because they are a woman and no other reason why and you're right that's exactly why it just like tingles something in us where we're like I know exactly well no I don't know exactly how that feels I know what that sensation feels like Mm -hmm. exactly but yes so definitely check them out on Spotify you can listen to their really interesting podcasts you can find them on Instagram at witches.of.scotland we will share their petition which is on until the 17th of March to ask the Scottish government for a pardon apology monument for the witches of Scotland and so you can that would be great if you could sign that for them so more the more people that sign their name the more likely the government will listen yeah and like Claire said just discuss it talk about it it's important just because it's not happening directly right now in Scotland on mainstream media doesn't mean it's not important Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah in other news where can they find us Amy (laughs) (sighs) they can find us it's been a while yeah they can find us on twitter no i go on instagram first you can find <laughs> us on instagram at this is a stupid question but on twitter at t-i-a-s-q-b and you can email us at this is stupid question but at gmail.com yeah and tune in two weeks from now where we will actually have another exciting guest and we're going to talk about veganism and whether we should all be going vegan We'll see you then. Bye.